We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the RV32 preseason team preview series. My name is Mike Randall. You can follow me at Randall Rant on Twitter. This is the Baltimore Ravens episode of the 2018 team preview series, a special edition of Rotoviz Radio. I'll be joined in just a few moments by Luke Jones, Ravens beat writer for WNST.net. You can follow him on Twitter at Baltimore Luke. But before we get started, I want to let you all know that as a listener to the podcast, you can save yourself 30% on a Rotoviz NFL pass at rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. The subscription will give you access to all the NFL content tools, and best of all, it helps support the pod. For those of you who don't know, Rotoviz is a sports data and analytics site that publishes over a thousand articles per year and has a suite of more than 20 proprietary apps. Go to rotoviz.com to check out the site. Again, today, our guest is Luke Jones of WNST.net. He covers the Ravens as a beat reporter, and in this episode, he talks about the team's commitment to Joe Flacco as the starting quarterback. Is Alex Collins ready to continue his 2017 second-half success at running back? And how the new trio of wide receivers will fare in the Ravens' high-volume passing offense. After the interview, we'll take a few minutes to think about what Luke said, and we'll be looking at Ravens' 2018 projections using some of the road of his apps. And now, let's bring on the guest. Thank you. 
We are pleased to welcome to Rotoviz Radio RV32 Team Preview Series Luke Jones, Baltimore Ravens beat writer for WNST.net. You can follow him on Twitter at Baltimore Luke. Luke, thanks for joining us here for a few minutes. How you doing? Doing well, Mike. How are you? Uh, getting ready to get going here with uh, the 2018 season, certainly. Uh, we're thrilled. It's the best time of year, and uh, training camps are about to start, so it's great that we have you on. And, and we have to start and get some clarification here on the quarterback position for the Ravens. Joe Flacco enters his 11th season as quarterback, but's coming off his worst 16-game season since his rookie year in 2008. He threw for 3,141 yards with only 18 touchdowns and the 13 interceptions. General Manager Ozzie Newsom made his final draft certainly an exciting one as the Ravens traded up to pick 32nd to select Louisville quarterback and former Heisman Trophy winner Lamar Jackson. What are you hearing about Jackson? Is he going to sit and learn this year from Flacco and Robert Griffin? Or is he a legitimate threat to Joe Flacco as the Ravens' starting quarterback? Well, at this point in time, I don't think he's a legitimate threat to Joe Flacco. I've been asked this question a lot. I'll continue to be asked it a lot, I'm sure, because the quarterback's Quarterback controversies are always what drive the most conversation throughout the NFL. But I've said for a while now, and nothing I saw this spring at OTAs at mandatory minicamp makes me think otherwise, but Joe Flacco is going to be the guy in 2018. Ozzie Newsom has said it. John Harbaugh has said it. And the only scenario short of an injury, which obviously an injury can change things dramatically, but the only scenario in which I see Lamar Jackson playing over Joe Flacco is if the Ravens are 4-7 and seven going into the month of December. The offense is not playing well. Joe Flacco is not playing well. It looks like they're not going to be making the playoffs. And Jackson has shown growth through practice and some maybe some limited opportunities on the field that he deserves a chance. And, you know, you could almost see a, a Jimmy Garoppolo scenario in that case where he plays at the end of the season. And who knows, maybe even saves the coaching staff's jobs at that point in time. But I think it's going to be Joe Flacco. He had a really good spring. He's healthier than he's been in a long time. I mean, one of the big things that is overlooked about his season last year, and yes, it was not a good statistical season. There's no question about that. But he missed all of training camp last year with a back issue. He literally practiced about three or four days before starting the season, didn't have any chance to build a rapport with Jeremy Macklin, uh, didn't have any chance to build a rapport with the rest of the offense, and the results really showed. Now, after the bye week, if you look at his numbers then, they weren't great, but they were much better than they were in the first half of the season. So uh, I think this is Joe Flacco's team for now here in 2018. Uh, It'll be up to him really to to hold on to that job longer because, as I've said to a lot of people when the Ravens have tried to kind of downplay it and say, well, Joe's still our guy, but, you know, Lamar Jackson, we had an opportunity. You know how it is. You draft a quarterback in the first round. (laughs) You have thoughts of that guy playing sooner rather than later. So uh, I could see this change coming as early as next next year, certainly. But uh, for 2018, Joe Flacco is going to be the guy, and it's going to be up to him and hopefully for his sake – a better supporting cast around him to help this offense be more prolific, more productive than it's been over the last few years, quite frankly. Yeah, you bring up a great point about Flacco after the bye week. He did throw 10 touchdowns after that bye. So that back injury, I think, definitely did linger and took away from his production. So if he's healthy, certainly hearing he is the man moving forward for the Ravens makes a lot of sense. 
Let's turn our attention to the backfield. I'm curious to hear just how confident the Ravens are in third-year running back Alex Collins. He was cut from the Seahawks on September 3rd last year. He signed with their practice squad, and then he worked his way onto the active roster and then into the starting running back role after that big performance of 143 total yards against the Dolphins in Week 8. From that point on, Collins was great, and after their Week 10 bye, he had eight touchdowns, and the Ravens went 5-2 and two and then almost made the playoffs. With Kenneth Dixon and Buck Allen, will Collins get them majority of the touches who's going to be the passing down running back Luke handicap how do you think the backfield touches are going to be distributed for the Ravens this season yeah I think the last question is going to be interesting because Alex Collins he's going to be the guy uh, he's going to be the guy going into the season I think he really did all he could last year to prove himself to be a capable NFL starter now where does that translate as far as his ceiling that remains to be seen I think it is important to note if you look at how his season went last year, he averaged six yards per carry over his first seven games and averaged 3.8 yards per carry after that. So was there a little bit of him wearing down? Keep in mind, this isn't uh, an Zeke Elliott or a Saquon Barkley kind of body running back. He's 5'10 and 210 pounds. So it's a little slighter than, than a lot of the, quote, bell cow running backs that you see around the NFL. So I think that's something to keep in mind. But he's going to be the, he's going to be the guy on first and second down. I think third down is a little more wide open. Buck Allen was uh, kind of that third down back last year because Danny Woodhead couldn't stay on the field, and even when he did, wasn't really all that effective. But if you look at Buck Allen's numbers, underwhelming from a yards per carry and a yards per catch standpoint. So I think he'll be in the mix, but the big wild card for me from a third down standpoint, and if there's anyone else that's going to push Alex Collins, it's Kenneth Dixon, who showed a lot of promise as a rookie, but last year had the torn meniscus before training camp and missed the entire season. A lot of baggage, not just injuries. He's had two drug-related suspensions, so he has to prove, one, that he's healthy, and two, that he's committed to be an NFL running back. If he does those things, I think the Ravens have a lot of intrigue with Collins and Dixon maybe morphing into a little bit of a, a little more of a two-headed monster. But you know, for right now, I mean, from a fantasy aspect, Alex Collins is clearly the guy you want to tab. We'll see where his role is from a receiver standpoint. He, he flashed a little bit as a receiver out of the backfield last year, but that certainly wasn't something that was a strength of his uh, and never had that reputation even coming out of college as a great receiver. But uh, that third down receiver out of the backfield role, that's a little more wide open. You know, Buck Allen's kind of the safe pick there, but I think the Ravens would love to see Kenneth Dixon finally, one, stay on the field, two, realize that potential, but uh, again, to try to bet on that or to try to say, oh, he's going to have 100 carries or he's going to catch 50 balls out of the backfield, uh, I wouldn't be confident uh, enough to say that. So, you know, Collins is going to be uh, the workhorse until either he or someone else proves otherwise as far as uh, changing up that formula, so to speak. Yeah, and the Ravens are always towards the top of the league in pass attempts, so that receiving back role is going to be very, very important. The receiving core in general is completely revamped. The Ravens lead the NFL with 336 vacated targets from 2017. Mike Wallace, Jeremy Macklin, Ben Watson, they're all gone. We now have Michael Crabtree, John Brown, and Willie Sneed. Former first-round pick Brashad Perryman is still there, as is third-year wide receiver Chris Moore. So who are you hearing the most buzz about, and just how confident are the Ravens that the new receivers, like a Brown and a Sneed, can stay on the field and make a sustained impact? 
well, they're going to need those guys to stay on the field and make a sustained impact. I think when you look at the three newcomers, and they're clearly the ones that everyone's paying attention to, I think Chris Moore, who if you look at what he did late last season, albeit the standard was so low for this wide receiver group. I mean, it was, it was horrid. Uh, Mike Wallace was about the only one you could count on for any kind of consistent production, and it's not like he had a great season. He was just okay, and he was pretty good after the bye week. But they needed to revamp it. And I think the one thing you do like about Crabtree, Brown, and Snead is they all bring something a little bit different to the table. Crabtree's not going to run by anyone. Even coming out of college, he wasn't necessarily a burner. He's always kind of been in that possession receiver kind of mode, good on third down, good in the red zone. Of those three, I think he very clearly has the highest floor. Now, does that mean he's going to be a 1,000-yard receiver? I'm guessing not. He's only done that a couple times in his career. But I think if you're looking for one of those three to be the best bet to you know, have 800, 850 receiving yards and catch six or seven touchdowns, I think Crabtree's that guy. John Brown's the, the potential home run hitter of the group. I think everyone who saw him in Arizona a few years back really liked what they saw from him. I mean, he's a burner. He plays a little bit bigger than his size. But the issue the last couple of years is he hasn't been able to stay healthy. So I think he's – the, the one guy of that trio that they're looking for some upside. If there's someone that's going to boom, so to speak, uh, I think it's going to be John Brown. And they liked him a lot this spring, and I know Joe Flacco liked throwing to him a lot this spring as they really worked on the deep ball that's kind of been non-existent from their offense uh, in recent years. Uh, you know, Willie Sneed's the one to me that is kind of the sleeper of the group. Uh, he, he had two really good years in New Orleans working with Drew Brees, and then last year he had the, the DUI-related suspension. He had a hamstring issue early on, and with that New Orleans offense, as you know, that became much more run-oriented than it had been in the past, there just weren't enough t- uh, passes, enough, enough targets to go around, and, and he kind of fell out of the rotation with some of the other talented receivers there. Sneed was someone that Flacco threw to a lot this spring, and if you look at Joe Flacco, when he's been at his best over the course of his career, he's had an effective slot receiver, whether it's Anquan Bolden, whether it was Dennis Pitta before the hip injuries caught up to him, uh, lining up in the slot as a pseudo-wide receiver. Those are the kind of guys he likes throwing to, and when he's most effective, he uses the middle of the field. I think Willie Sneed's that guy that can really fit that mold. So I'm not sure Sneed's going to have a huge year uh, where, where I'm saying to grab him from a fantasy football perspective, but I think he could be the guy that ends up being way more productive than anyone anticipates right now because he only caught, what, eight passes last year or whatever it was in limited action with the Saints. So I think he's someone who can get back to being a little bit more like he was his first uh, the, the previous two seasons with Drew Brees in New Orleans. Uh, so, you know, uh, to make a long story short, Crabtree has the highest floor. John Brown has the highest ceiling. But I, I think Willie Sneed, from a skill set standpoint and what the Ravens really need in their passing game, which doesn't need to be great but needs to be more efficient, he's the one, that, to me, that's a little bit of the, the sneaky sleeper that could end up being way better than people think. Those are great points, especially about Brown. Back in that 2015 season, he was a 1,000-yard receiver, had seven touchdowns. So if he can get that deep ball going with Flacco, that could absolutely open up the field. And you mentioned the the intermediate routes, uh, the Dennis Pitta routes. And certainly Ozzie Newsom raised some eyebrows when he drafted not one but two tight ends in the first four rounds of this year's draft. 
Both Hayden Hurst from South Carolina and Mark Andrews from Oklahoma. They're big, six foot five, 250 pound plus tight ends. But tight ends do take a while to develop. Uh, the Ravens have Nick Boyle, Max Williams on the roster. So sh- shed some light on the two tight end picks for the Ravens. And what do you think the pecking order is going to be this year? Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a really interesting storyline to watch play out uh, over the course of the summer and into the early portion of the season. Uh, clearly, they like Hayden Hurst a lot. I mean, as someone who's a, a pretty interesting story, was a former minor league baseball player, uh, flamed out in that regard, dealt with a lot of failure, uh, and then obviously went went to South Carolina and it didn't put up monster numbers for the Gamecocks, but was a productive player and uh, a pretty well-rounded receiver. I wouldn't say he's a great blocker, but certainly of him and Andrews, he's the more efficient blocker, the more productive blocker. And, and I think that's something not to overlook with this Ravens offense, with Greg Roman and their run-blocking schemes. They used the tight ends a ton. They, they ran more two- and three tight end sets than anyone in the NFL last year. So I, I think that's where you don't want to be completely dismissive of Nick Boyle and probably to a lesser degree Max Williams. I think he's on the bubble uh, certainly much more to make this team, but I think Boyle, with his blocking acumen, he's someone to keep in mind. But I think in a perfect world, Hayden Hurst quickly becomes their, quote, number one tight end who's on the field a lot. They move him around a lot. He can line up on the line of scrimmage uh, as, as a traditional tight end. They can move him. They can move him out to the slot if they want to, put him in motion. I think Nick Boyle still kind of holds on to that number two blocking-minded role uh, that the Ravens really need with their running game, and I expect them to continue to to use with their running game. And I think Andrews is a little more of a wild card. You know, can he kind of move into that old Dennis Pitta kind of role where I don't expect him to line up as a traditional tight end very often? He's going to be more of a, a big slot receiver. So you know, I, I wouldn't exactly expect big numbers from him. But I do think they're going to need production from Hayden Hurst because, uh, as you pointed out, Ben Watson, who wasn't great last year but did put up some solid numbers coming back from the torn Achilles the year before, he's he's no longer in Baltimore. So they need tight end production. And the two incumbents you mentioned, Nick Boyle and Max Williams, they are much more blocking-minded tight ends. So uh, they need Hurst to – if he's not catching at least 45, 50 passes, uh, you know, I I think they're – they're going to struggle with that part of the field again unless you know they get Willie Sneed really helping out a lot in the slot to kind of take care of that 8-15 to 15 yard middle of the field uh, part of the passing game that was really lacking uh, last year. So tight end is going to be a big question mark. And I think one other thing with Hurst, he's older. He's going to be 25 uh, before the start of the season. They're thinking maybe a little more at physical maturity than the typical rookie tight end. And also with what he dealt with in minor league baseball, he's dealt with a lot of failures, so they really like his mental toughness. Maybe those are a couple variables that can help him be a little more productive than the typical rookie tight end. Yeah, that age and resiliency could be very important here. could be a sleeper for us uh, at the tight end position, Hayden Hurst. Luke, we really appreciate a few moments. I just have one more for you, then we'll get you out of here. Head coach John Harbaugh enters his 11th season with the Ravens, and while he certainly had much success, Super Bowl title, the Ravens have failed to make the playoffs in four of the last five years. The offensive line is now healthy. They have new receiving weapons and a healthy Joe Flacco. Las Vegas has set the win total at eight. Certainly the Ravens are always a team when they're playing well that are a threat to make the Super Bowl Absolutely. Do you see the Ravens returning to the playoffs and getting over that predicted 8-8 eight and eight win total? I actually- 
actually do. I'm a little bit higher on the Ravens this year than I have been the last couple of years where I've kind of put them in that 8-8 eight eight territory, and that's basically where they've been, give or take a, a win or a loss. Uh, certainly the questions that you present on the offense are going to be there. I mean, we, we didn't talk too much about the offensive line, but uh, they're going to have a new center because Ryan Jensen's in Tampa Bay. They're going to have a new right tackle because they let go of Austin Howard. Uh, so many questions about Joe Flacco. Uh, can he get back to the player he was three or four years ago, which was never great, but certainly more in that average to slightly above average category uh, with the potential to play at a higher level when he gets to January. So I think one thing we haven't, haven't talked about at all but is also important to note, defensive continuity. This team lost one, exactly one player who played defensive snaps for them last year. That's unheard of continuity on that side of the ball in the, in the salary cap era, so that will help as well. And I'm going to bet a little bit on Joe Flacco and John Harbaugh. Uh, they, they're certainly both under fire. Certainly you can make an argument that this could be the last year for those two depending on what happens. So I think the Ra- I like the Ravens to kind of get into that 9-10 to 10 win uh, kind of territory. I don't think they're going to be great. I don't necessarily uh, consider them a Super Bowl contender by any stretch, but I think they're going to be better. I think their defense is going to be really, really good, if not great, and I think the offense will be at least closer to that average range than they've been the last couple of years. And I think that's the kind of formula that uh, if things – go the right way for them, and they stay healthier than they did last year. They had a slew of injuries, and they still managed to go 9-7. and seven. Uh, I, I like their chances to get back to the playoffs. And uh, as you mentioned, once Joe Flacco, say what you want about him in the regular season, his postseason uh, profile, his track record in January has been much better. So who knows, but I do like the Ravens to get back into the playoffs this year for the first time since 2014. Yeah, the Ravens' defense is always one of the best in the NFL, and if those injuries just stay normal and don't go over the top, they're going to be right there at the end of the season. Uh, folks, Luke Jones, Baltimore Ravens beat writer for WNST.net. Please follow him on Twitter at Baltimore Luke. Luke, we can't thank you enough here for a few minutes on the Ravens, and best of luck on the upcoming season. Thanks a lot, Mike. Appreciate it. I uh, hope to chat with you again sometime down the road. That was Luke Jones, Ravens beat writer for WNST.net. You can follow him on Twitter at Baltimore Luke, and he gave us a lot of great insight there into the Ravens and their projections this season. And the Ravens are an interesting team because there is fantasy value there because the ADPs of so many of their offensive players tend to be in the mid to late round. So let's take a look at some of the things that Luke mentioned, starting with the quarterback, Joe Flacco. The first thing he said that, of course, is important here for all fantasy drafters is that Lamar Jackson is not a legitimate threat in his opinion. The only way he sees Jackson becoming a contributor is, of course, an injury to Flacco or if the Ravens end up having a disappointing season and they're like 4-10 and and it could be a drastic move by the coaching staff, which he mentioned, to maybe save their job because they have not made the playoffs in four of their last five years. It looks like Jackson is going to start the year on the bench. Now, that doesn't mean you can't take a flyer on a Lamar Jackson late in your draft. It certainly doesn't mean you should watch the waiver wire because as soon as Flacco gets hurt, Lamar Jackson, if you have a fab budget, is going to spend a lot of that money because people are going to pick him up. He's dynamic. He can run. But right now, it looks like they are going to certainly give the ball to Flacco and see how far he can take them. 
But let's take a look at how Flacco did do after the bye week, because it did seem like his back got healthy, but his last five games is where he really made a difference. 269 passing yards back-to-back, then 288, 237, and 203. So he did get over that 200 mark, and over those last five games, he had nine passing touchdowns and just one interception. So if Flacco is healthy, he could provide you with low-end QB1 upside on most weeks in certain matchups. The Ravens did go 5-2 and two down the stretch, and they almost made the playoffs, of course, with the Bengals. With that big win over the Ravens, put the Bills in late, but they did make a late push. And you can say what you want about the Ravens. While they may have been disappointing in terms of getting in the playoffs, they certainly don't bonk. They're right there at the end. So if they get the health, especially on the defensive side of the ball that Luke talked about, they could be right there, and that could help Flacco as well. The second position he talked about, and just as important as the first one, because people are interested in drafting this player, is running back Alex Collins. He came over last year after getting cut by Seattle. He's on the practice squad for Baltimore, and then he worked his way up. Luke's comment is he feels like his ceiling is speculative, because certainly he doesn't profile as your typical RB1, your Zeke Elliott, Todd Gurley, David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell. Six yards per carry over his first seven games, but only 3.8 after that. And you don't want to see that three number that's been killing running backs like Melvin Gordon now in a lot of people's eyes. So they're certainly going to hold it against a guy like Alex Collins. But the offensive line is healthy. Marshall Leanda is back. So there is some upside here. The question is, who is the third down option or the passing down running back going to be? While Buck Allen seems to be the safe choice, his yards per carry only 3.9 on the season, which certainly put him well outside an RB2 area in PPR formats. The one who Luke talked about and certainly was very positive, which is interesting because most fantasy owners who are drafting would not say this, is Kenneth Dixon. Dixon entering his third season out of Louisiana Tech, but an explosive guy in the passing offense, if he can just stay on the field. There's the drug issues, the multiple suspensions, but it certainly seems like he's a guy who, at 5'10", who they want to get the ball in the hands of in passing situations. Certainly what I took from this is that Dixon is sort of the guy you want to draft if you're looking for a passing down back from the Ravens. If you're in a deep league and you want a late PPR flyer, it doesn't seem to be Buck Allen. It seems to be Kenneth Dixon. And because of the suspensions and really not playing at all last year, he's the guy who is, has a much better ADP value. They feel that Collins is really not a true three-down workhorse. He wasn't a huge pass catcher at Arkansas, and certainly for a guy who was cut from Seattle and was on Baltimore's practice squad at the beginning of last year, it's easy to see how the coaching staff wouldn't necessarily trust him in a three-down role. So if you're drafting Alex Collins, you have to realize his passing game involvement is going to be limited, and he may even see like a two-for-one first and second down switch there with a Buck Allen. And the Ravens really are rooting internally because of the talent of a Dixon for him to stay on the field. So I do like Alex Collins after talking to Luke, but I'm going to temper expectations. And certainly you're going to want to watch out for Kenneth Dixon to see if he pops and finally gets everything together and becomes sort of a satellite back for the Ravens. You know they pass a lot. And so that passing down guy is going to get a lot of volume. And then he talked about the receivers. Ravens have the most vacated targets in the league, 336 from last year. The three big newcomers, Michael Crabtree, John Brown, and Willie Sneed. Luke felt that all of them bring something different. Crabtree is certainly going to be the go-to guy. He's your wide receiver one. He should get the majority of the passes. So that's a guy 
Volume is king in fantasy football, and he's going to see a lot of it here, provided he stays on the field, of course. John Brown, he's the home run hitter. He's the burner. They haven't had that for a long time. He remarked that Flacco was working with John Brown on deep balls and OTAs, so it's something that they want to sort of ignite and get that part of their passing game going. He had a 1,000-yard receiving season in Arizona in 2015, had some injuries, of course, but when he's on the field, he does produce and his talent's unquestioned. And the sleeper of the group, which I thought was very interesting, he said was Willie Sneed. He had the DUI last year, the hamstring issue, basically caught under 10 passes with Drew Brees, so people are cooling on him. If you can't make it in New Orleans with Drew Brees as your quarterback, the common fantasy thought is going to be, why would I want to draft him in Baltimore with Joe Flacco? Well, the reason is, Snead had two pretty good years before then, and now he's going to Baltimore, which passes just as much, if not more, than the Saints did. Remember the Saints transitioned last year to more of a running attack with Ingram and Kamara. Sneed was thrown to a lot this spring as well, and he said that when Joe Flacco's at his best, he's using those short to intermediate routes, the Anquan Boldens, the Dennis Pittas. He always likes that slot guy, so Sneed could be a wide receiver three for you in fantasy this year. You would think that given a second chance here with the Ravens, after everything that happened in New Orleans, he would certainly put his best foot forward. So he is definitely a guy to keep an eye on late in drafts you want to take a flyer on. And then he talked about the tight ends. Certainly the tight ends I mentioned just before, Dennis Pitta, can contribute. But the problem is rookie tight ends just typically don't make that big of an impact. And I didn't like what Luke said about Hayden Hurst. Wasn't uber productive at South Carolina. And he said he's not really a great blocker, but he's better than Mark Andrews, the other rookie tight end that was drafted. That tight end has to be able to block. And if he can't, he's not going to be on the field enough to make a fantasy impact. It looks like Nick Boyle is going to be your starter there. Big tight end, six foot four. 268 pounds. Last year, only garnered 37 targets, had 28 receptions. So he is a guy who you could see an uptick in, and you're looking to stream tight ends maybe, but I'm not sure that Hayden Hurst is going to make that big of a contribution unless his blocking greatly improves. And the fact that tight ends struggle to make a contribution as is, if Willie Sneed is really cooking, then that could be the slot intermediate guy, and the, and the tight ends could be rendered fantasy irrelevant here. He mentioned that the only option he sees that could temper Snead expectations is if Hayden Hurst somehow gets 40 to 50 receptions, which I just don't see happening. And I'm not sure Nick Boyle can do that either. So then Willie Snead is a guy, if you don't see great tight end production, you can be even more confident about. If you go to rotaviz.com and go into the fantasy football draft prep section, there are some incredible tools that can help you really get ready for your upcoming fantasy seasonal drafts. The one that I'm going to use today is the 2018 Rotoviz Projection Machine, which is a phenomenal tool that you have to check out here on Rotoviz if you haven't seen it yet. What you do is you take all of the stats from the last few years and you make your percentage projections in terms of quarterback attempts, targets, touchdowns, etc. All this great stuff. And then it gives you back where you project them. So looking back over the last few years, looking at Flacco, discounting last year to a certain extent and looking at more his healthy years as he had in 2016, 2014, and 2013, I project Flacco to have 3,887 passing yards, 28 touchdowns, and 13 interceptions. I think that's a best-case scenario for him. If he stays healthy, that offensive line protects him because they are healthier and their defense, which is always good, gives some more positive game script. I think that's a pretty reasonable number for Flacco. High threes in passing yardage, 28 touchdowns. He's always going to have a lot of interceptions. He's had double-digit interceptions each of the last five seasons, but I think that's a safe projection. Looking at his running backs, I think Alex Collins is a shoo to get over 1,100 total yards. I certainly see him flirting with high single-digit touchdowns. 
I don't anticipate him getting a lot more than a 210, 215 carry workload. But in today's NFL, with fantasy backs the way they are and the, the, the running backs by committee, I don't think that's a bad thing. You'll have Kenneth Dixon and Javorius Allen working in there as well. But I certainly see Alex Collins getting 1,100 total yards. And reception-wise, probably around 20. I have him right now for 21 receptions. But most of the receptions go into your Kenneth Dixon and your Javorius Allen. Turning to the wide receivers, my projections illustrate exactly what Luke said. I have Michael Crabtree predicted for 1,145 receiving yards and 80 receptions. He's certainly going to garner the most percentage of target share in that offense. I have him getting at least 25%. I actually put him at 26%. I think that's a target share for a wide receiver one that he's looking for. Your upper echelon wide receivers usually can creep up to the high 20s. I think Crabtree in a high volume offense is safe for around 25 or 26%. And I see him getting sort of high single digit touchdowns. I have him at eight touchdowns right now. And the guy, of course, I really like to project is Willie Sneed. I have Willie Sneed being second in receptions with 62. I have him getting 700 receiving yards and six touchdowns. I think that slot roll near the goal line there is going to be valuable for Sneed, especially because Crabtree is getting older. And while he was a red zone target with Derek Carr in Oakland, I don't necessarily know that he's going to continue that in Baltimore when Flacco has so many other options. And Sneed over the middle there, that like he said, that Dennis Pitt a tight end role could be very, very dangerous. So I have him getting six touchdowns. I have John Brown sort of a feast or famine role. Of course, the injury concerns creep up there. I see him with two touchdowns and 460 receiving yards. As for the tight ends, Hayden Hurst and Nick Boyle. I'm going to pencil Hayden Hurst in for 38 receptions. I don't think he hits that 40 reception total. I see him getting three touchdowns there and then Nick Boyle contributing a little bit, but probably not enough to be fantasy relevant. So make sure you check out the projection machine over at Rotoviz under fantasy football draft prep. You can look at your teams, look at your players there and really come up with some great projections because it's got to be consistent. And I'm able to put in reasonable numbers for Flacco based off his full seasons throwing out last year because of the back injury, as well as Alex Collins coming over from Seattle. What can we really expect given that he certainly doesn't seem to have, according to Luke, as large a third down role as we thought he would. And that's going to do it for the Ravens episode of the 2018 Hashtag RV32 Rotoviz Radio Team Preview Series. Again, our guest today was Luke Jones, Ravens beat writer for WNST.net. Be sure to follow him on Twitter at Baltimore Luke. My name is Mike Randall. You can follow me on Twitter at Randall Rant. We have these team previews coming fast and furious, so stay tuned over the next few weeks for more teams and certainly follow the pod on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for listening to the 2018 Rotoviz Radio Team Preview Series. Our assistant executive producer is Colm Kelly, and our executive producer is Matthew Freeman. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com, and follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. Right now at T-Mobile, get an awesome iPhone XR on us when you bring your family over and trade in your old device. Because whether you have mom, dad, or a friend on your mind, it's a gift so bold and brilliant, you'll want to keep it for yourself. Most importantly, it's on us in six vibrant colors. 
Plus, with unlimited everything from T-Mobile, the awesome iPhone XR will have everyone snapping, streaming, and sharing to their heart's content all year long. But don't wait. It's only for a limited time. So visit a store or call 1-800-T-MOBILE and get iPhone XR on us. If congested, customers using more than 50 gigs per month may notice reduced speeds due to prioritization. Video at 480p via 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers plus tax. Qualifying trade-in, port-in, service, and finance agreement required. Contact us before canceling our credit stop and remaining balance due. 64 gigs, zero down, plus 3125 per month for 24 months. Pre-credit price, 749 0% APR. One offer per account. My name is Thurman and I. Come visit me at Airport Home Plans in Dublin Showroom. A lot of consumers choose airport appliance over the big box stores for three main reasons. First of all, it's a family-owned business for a long time. It's local. And also, we have the best expert salespeople. Salespeople are sent to the manufacturer's training at the locations, at the factories, and to learn things there. They see physically how the product works, how the product is manufactured. It is a huge help when they come back and start assisting the customers. It just brings joy to me when you start the process of helping the client choose their appliances for their kitchen remodels because I'm involved in the process to help them and be a part of the whole project. This is a great time to buy because this is pretty much the last quarter of the year and a lot of clients they are trying to finish the projects before the holidays. My name is Dharmin Nayak. Come visit me during our fall remodel event at Airport Home Plants. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom, and a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.